You're listening to a sermon on the Mission Ridge Church Podcast. Hang around after the message for more information about Mission Ridge Church. Sermon notes for this message or any of our other messages can be found through our website, missionridge.church. Merry Christmas. Thanks for joining us today. Uh, week four of Advent, week four of Advent, week five of our series, uh, Mission Ridge, 25% more Christmassy, Adventy goodness, TM. Uh, we'll put a little trademark on that, um, or copyright, can I copyright the phrase? I don't know, Adventy goodness, that should be a thing. But uh, yeah, so we're talking about love today, which I, I looked back on my notes last year, uh, and lo and behold... Uh, I preached the sermon for love last year also. I think that's because we recorded last year's sermon and Rob didn't want to have to prepare two at the same time, which is exactly what happened this year. Uh, So I should probably get good at preaching this sermon because I foresee this happening in the future, unless Jen takes over. What? No, she's saying no. All right, well... We'll see. We'll try round two this year. We'll see if it's any better. We'll go back and compare. Maybe I have a better idea about what love is. So let's start off by reminding ourselves what Advent, what our definition of Advent is. So our definition of Advent here at Mission Ridge and what what we look for the season to be is Advent is a time of preparation, reflection, and anticipation in the darkest days of the year to celebrate the arrival of the light of the world. Now, when I hear that light of the world, you know, the other ones, reflection, anticipation, they all kind of fit in nicely with, um, you know, peace or hope, joy maybe. Um, love, I was looking at this and I was like, well, there's not a, a specific like, oh, that's the love, like anticipation, that's the love, which that might be. Like uh, Mary was anticipating giving birth. I think most mothers at about that point in their pregnancy start to anticipate not being pregnant at least. Uh, That seems to be a theme with my friends on Instagram when they're posting about, you know, being pregnant and then having babies. They're like, I'm really tired of being pregnant. I anticipate this child. So maybe that's the, the love one in there. But then I was thinking about it, this light of the world. I was reminded of, of our series, a, a Gosh, that was a couple months ago now where we talked about uh, the first, uh, the letters of John, the epistles of John. And we talked all about how in 1 John it was love and light and God and love and love and light and light and love. And, and these two were intertwined together a lot. We'll talk about that a little more later, but I think this light of the world phrase in our definition might be where we cue in on love. Because Christmas is, Christmas is really about love in a lot of ways, right? Like, that's a heavy theme for a lot of Christmassy goodness. Think about your movies, right? Every Hallmark Christmas movie ever. Ugh. Sappy romance, like the, uh, was it the, the Amish Christmas book that I got you for the, the gift exchange thing? Did Laura, Laura, you ended up with that, right? I'm, I'm so excited to see how that is. From you, not for me to read it. I read the back. That was enough. Sappy romance novel. 
So Hallmark Christmas movies, sappy romantic love, right? Uh, the Grinch, not, not necessarily, well, maybe the Jim Carrey one, but the, think classic, like Dr. Seuss. You read The Grinch, you watch The Grinch movie, and uh, it's all about love for others and love for community. Like, that's the redeeming, that's the big climax of the film is The Grinch realizing, like, oh, there's something more to this, and they love each other, right? Love, it's a theme. Home Alone. It's love. Like, he doesn't want his parents and family there. He wishes they were all gone. And then he wakes up all by himself, and at first it's great. And then he is a pansy. I mean, then he learns the lesson that solitude is maybe lonely sometimes, and maybe it's not so bad to have your family there, and it's good to love your family, even the home alone. And in our songs, of course, it's all through the songs. We've got our, they're either glorifying or wanting or commiserating the fact that they've lost some sort of romantic relationship. Think Mariah Carey, All I Want for Christmas is You, uh, or uh, Christmas Lights by Coldplay, which might be my favorite, like, secular Christmas song this year. I've played that one so many times. Uh, so many, well, I don't know why. It's just, it's a, it's a bop. But, uh, yeah, that, that one's talking about like a breakup and how it ruins Christmas for him. It doesn't feel right. Or, or the songs are talking about the love of stuff, right? 12 Days of Christmas. Santa Baby. Doesn't she want a ring from Tiffany's or something like that? The love of stuff. Love seems to be a theme with Christmas. And within our religious songs, our Christmas songs... Um, yeah, those show up. Think about, we, uh, we sing about, oh, come let us adore him. Adore. You adore things that you, like, that's, a, that's like a stronger word for love almost. Oh, come desire of nations. We just sang that one. Desire of nations. The nations desire this thing. They, they yearn for it. They want to love this king. Oh, come adore on bended knee. And possibly... The most on-the-nose love at Christmas song. Let's throw up this next slide. We're going to sing this one today. We're going to close the service. And I, I wasn't, you know, I threw this one on months ago, and then I was playing it this week, and I was like, this is brilliant. This is great. Uh, and, then, and then I realized that I was preaching, and I was talking to myself about it, and I'm like, oh, I'm going to use this song because it's really good. But this is the most lovey-dovey song you're ever going to sing in church with me. Like, I don't really love those sort of worship songs, but this one, this is great. This is by Christina, Christina G. Rossetti, who was way back in the 1800s, uh, and she actually wrote In the Bleak Midwinter. So there's a similar vibe between these two songs, but this, so this song is called Love Came Down at Christmas, and the, the first verse, these are the words, Love Came Down at Christmas, Love All Lovely, Love Divine. 60% of that phrase is the word love. Heavy, heavy on the love. Love was born at Christmas. Star and angels gave the sign. Now, me and Lori will probably sing stars because we can't read the words, but it's only one star. Uh, maybe by saying this, we'll remember it now, but probably not. <laughs> That's the remix. They give this sign, right? This verse draws us into the intimacy of the birth of Christ, kind of in a, in a, in a 
a feminine sort of fashion with the so many loves. And it cap, it caps, cap, cap, it captures, I don't know what accent that was. It captures the intimate love of a mother for a son. It reminds us of the signs in that last phrase. The signs that announce the coming of Christ. The star up in the sky and the angels singing on high, which might be the best pun ever because it's, they're singing high in the air. They're probably singing some high notes and they're singing probably at high volume. So that's a three for one. Well done, God. Well done, God. Now, compared to, compared to the, I don't know, the Grinch and Home Alone and Santa Baby, this might feel a little more like what Christmas is all about for a lot of us that have been in church for however long we've been. And if, you're, if you've been around church, if you've been around Christmas in a religious sense, this probably strikes you as, as Christmas. This is what Christmas is about. And so we spend our Advent season as Christians in the church, as good, good religious people. We spend our Advents doing religious things in a lot of places. We light candles. We put up decorations. Uh, we sing songs that are Christmas-oriented. Um, we read the scriptures. We've done that every week, right? We do special services like Christmas Eve, which is going to be fun. Looking forward to it. But occasionally that either becomes monotonous or we forget a little bit of maybe if it, something's missing, right? Well, enter verse 2 of this song. It says, Worship we the Godhead. Love incarnate, love divine. We worship our Jesus. But where is our sacred sign? Now, I rewrote this last phrase because originally it's like, but wherewith, for wherewith, wherewith for is sacred sign. Or I, I had to Google to figure out what the heck was going on in it because I'd never seen wherewith for it, it was a lot of brain power that I just didn't have. The buffering was intense. This is what's going on. But where is our sacred son? So we, we do all these religious things. We, we worship God and we, we remember this love incarnate and divine and, and we worship Jesus. But then we're left asking, cause we, and we've kind of leaned into this this year with Christmas. I don't know. Maybe it's just the fact that this year has been heavy, but we've kind of leaned into this. Like sometimes things are a little messy, like joy last week that, we got to lean into both the grief and the joy. I think we've talked about it every week of this series, which might have been my fault because I started this thing. So I don't know if I have anybody to blame but me. But we find ourselves kind of asking this, where, like God, where are you showing up? I don't necessarily see it all the time. There's no star gleaming in the heavens. I don't hear the angels necessarily. So where is our sign? It's maybe an uncomfortable question. I'm going to let you sit with that for a minute because we're going to come back to that. So what is love? Other than baby, don't hurt me. Or what's love got to do with it? I don't know, that might be a phrase too. There's so many, so many puns. 
A lot of us would probably, if I ask you, what is love? You might, you might rattle off some of the things that are in that list in Corinthians 13. Love is patient, kind, you know, not proud, not boastful, blah, 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 right? You hear it at weddings all the time. That, like, that's love, right? Okay. Some of us might say that love is sacrificial. You might, you might quote to me uh, where Jesus says that there's no greater love than this that a man would lay down his life for his friends, right? That's pretty good. It's a pretty good thing to point out. I would throw out that love is free. And what I mean by that is that love without a choice isn't really love. So it's not like free like, oh, it's cheap. But love is free, it's liberated. Because without a choice, it kind of loses a little bit of its power. Like if, if, if I'm forced to love something, is it love? How much did you love Brussels sprouts as a kid when your mom forced you to eat them? See, I dodged that one. My dad didn't like Brussels sprouts, so we never had to. I got to experience those later. I didn't love them. Not going to lie. I would throw out that it's not a guaranteed transaction. Love is not guaranteed. Uh, meaning that if I'm going to love someone, it's not guaranteed that it will be reciprocated. It's not even guaranteed that it will be accepted. The, the analogy that kept popping back into my mind was like asking somebody out at a coffee shop and how that terrifies, terrifies people, people. What? I didn't say that. That's just the one that popped into my head. But but there, love involves a risk of refusal on a more serious note. Like, that is, a, that is a thing. If you've been in a loving relationship with somebody, you realize that you're kind of putting yourself out there, and they could say no, and you could be crushed. Love is not a guarantee with people. And love is something that humanity longs for love. Like, look at all those songs and all those movies. It permeates our culture. We're craving it. We crave connection with people. We crave intimacy in so many ways, and we look for it everywhere except for maybe where we should. Let's look at 1 John chapter 4. Verse 16, it starts, it says, So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. By this is love perfected with us, so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment. Because as he is, so are we in this world. For there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. Whoever abides in love and abides in God, and God abides in him. Hmm. John hounds on this. This is a thing for John when he's writing his, both the gospel and the, the epistles. So the question that I have for you here, another question, there's a lot of questions in this sermon. You get to wrestle with a lot of things, sorry. That's, I was asking myself these all week long. Cool, we can all wrestle together. Uh, Question is, how full is your love tank right now? Love tank, uh, quote of Rob Croyle. 
Straight out of Sermon Club right there. Love Tank. That sounds like a, a B-52 song waiting to happen, right? But how full is your love tank right now? Do you feel just overflowing with love? Like, it, it's Christmas. Of, of all the times, it should probably be like, this is the season, right? Like, how full is your love tank? Mine doesn't feel necessarily overbrimming this year. Follow-up question to that, that might or might not be related, is how well are you loving other people right now? That's a little rough for me this week. I was reminded that if you aren't loving like Jesus, then you still have some work to be done. See, there's this passage in John 13 where Jesus says, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. So he says in there, just as I have loved you. So if I'm not loving like Jesus, if I'm not loving my neighbor like Jesus, if I'm not loving my community like Jesus, then I probably still have some work to do. And probably means absolutely, yes, I do have more work to do. And I don't think I'm alone in that boat. See, if you're struggling to love that person, insert whatever that person is in your head, pause, think, oh yeah, that person. If I'm struggling to love them like Jesus, it reflects of how I'm feeling and like how I'm feeling loved by God. Let's throw that next slide up where we got both questions there together. These, these two are tied together. How well am I loving people tells me how full my love tank is, which is directly tied with how much I'm connecting with God right now. In fact, if you, if you look at these words, I almost did this, but then it was really cheesy. Like You could slide those together and they look like they fit, but then it just doesn't read right at all. So... Like, that's just going to confuse people. But the puzzle pieces look like they fit. Imagine that if you're a a visual person. These These two questions are tied together completely. So if you can't answer one of them, work on the other one, and it will reveal what's going on. Solve A for B or B for A. I don't know. I'm not a math person. I'm sure Kyle will tell me what property that is of math or something. But it's an indicator light of misalignment is what I'm getting at here. Like if your love tank's not full or if you're struggling to love people, it's an indicator light that something is probably amiss with your relationship with God. Something's broken. Now broken love can look different. It probably looks, uh, it probably looks just as different Uh, there's probably as many ways that it can look different as there are people in this room. Because we've each got our our different flavor of how broken love might look. Two ends of the spectrum that I'd throw out just for examples, like it might mean that you become kind of harsh. This is the, I'm loving that person and they're going to realize that it was good for them. I'm going to love you. I'm going to love you ferociously with a big stick. 
going to beat you with my truth. On the other end of the spectrum, it might mean like broken love might manifest itself as you become a wet noodle. And that's not necessarily any better. It's still broken. It's still an indicator light that you need to realign yourself with God because I think that's at the core of this. If we're going to talk about love during Advent, if we're going to talk about what we should be feeling and what we should be doing and experiencing, it starts with realigning yourself with God and his love for you. Go back to that 1 John 4.16. It says, So we have come to know and believe the love that God has for us. God is love. Whoever abides in love abides in God. If you want to abide in love, if you want to contain love, you have to abide in God. And God abides in you. And you might be thinking about this and, and maybe you've talked to somebody and you've ex- or you're experiencing this. I, and I might ask you, and, and you might answer with a question something like, uh, I know God loves me. And I believe it in my head, right? But something feels off. And I struggle to really connect. Wait, I know God loves me. I know it. And I believe it. But I don't necessarily believe it in my heart. For the audio recording, I was pointing at my head and my heart. I realized that's going to translate terribly on the podcast. Sorry, guys. Come to church. (laughs) And to that, I would say abiding in love, abiding in the love of God also means asking yourself the hard question of where are you not obeying? Because that's another thing that we have to talk about when we talk about loving God and the love of God. There's an aspect of obeying that's tied in. And I can't skirt around that because Jesus says it really plainly. John 14, verse 15, he says, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Full stop. It's really easy to gloss over that verse because... It then goes into some stuff about the whole the helper and you be with you for forever and the words are kind of jumbly, especially if you're reading ESV. You're like, what is going on? And it's just a short, brief statement. But how powerful is that? If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Ugh. I don't know about you, but that gets me sometimes. That nails me. I'm like, oh man, Jesus. I don't need the rest of the sermon. You got me right there. And he, he's not done there because he talks about, yeah, the helper and he's going to come and dwell and blah, blah, blah. And you can go read this uh, in, in 14 there, but I'm going to pick it up at verse 20. It says, in that day, you will know that I am in my father and you in me and I in you. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, 
keeps them. That's who loves me. The person who loves me is whoever keeps my commandments and has them. The person who loves me, I've told my commandments, and then he keeps them. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. And then Judas, not Iscariot, (laughs) it just cracks me up that they point that out, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not the world? Which sounds a lot like our earlier question of where is my sign? Where is our sign? Like, where's the sign? Where's the star? Because I could point to that, right? That'd be pretty easy. Or if there's angels singing the hallelujah chorus, that'd be pretty easy to tell people, like, hey, I told you so. See, I was right. See what my God did? It's angels. They're singing. It's a big star. It wasn't there the day before. I don't know. But we don't get that. And Jesus answers him. He says, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him. And he will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words. And the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. He just comes back to it. Apparently, keeping the commandments, it's tied up in keeping these commandments. How he's going to manifest himself is tied up in keeping these commandments. See, I would say if you aren't keeping God's commands, then you're missing the fullness of abiding. Let's flip it up to the next slide here. I've got a little little trifecta. See, if we keep commands, then we're going to love people. And if we love people, then we're loving God, because that's what God really likes, is when we love people. And if we're going to love God, then we're going to keep his commands. See how these all kind of work together? They just kind of go. In whichever order they work backwards or forwards, this is fantastic, right? If you aren't fully abiding, then you're not going to fully love people, and the wheels come off. You might carry on for a little while. This is the broken love, right? Like, I might love God and I might keep his commands, but I might be really harsh with people. And I might love God and I might really love people, but I'm not going to keep his commands or value his commands. And so I end up being a wet noodle. See, and, and the, the thing is, you might be like, well, okay, Roughly right. Well, you don't live in a vacuum. I think that's important to remember. People see every part of this. They see what you value. They're going to be able to say, yeah, Logan, yeah, he values, loves God, he abides with God. The dude abides, but uh, can't figure out how to keep the commands. He sucks at that. And I see it because, like, look look at that guy. Just look at him. Just a big sinner. Or, or vice versa. Maybe it's the loving people, right? Like, yeah, Logan, he, he loves God, but he's not very good at loving on people. And he's really good about those rules, but gosh, he's kind of a jerk to everybody. You don't live in a vacuum. See, at the end of that 14 passage, Jesus says, but I do as the Father commanded me. 
so that the world may know that I love the Father. Rise up and let us go from here. Now, if you pair those two, those two, like you, like you know what's going on in my brain. If you pair that verse, John 14, 31, and you pair it with that, a new command I give you to love one another, and the world's going to know you're my disciples if you're loving one another, so loving people, and then also like the world's going to know that I love my father because I do his commands. Like they go hand to hand, like they pair together beautifully. That brings us right to our implication. Because at the core of all of this is that you need to let your love come from a place of intimate connection with God. At the core of this is that abiding. Now we've talked about this back in the, the, the God Is series with the, the letters for John. Like we talked about a little bit of this. So if you want to go back and listen for some, maybe a, a different outlook on it or refresh yourself, like, Go check out that series. We talked about it in the Sabbath series this year. Apparently, this is a big thing for us this year. I, I, like, I was not planning this. Like, we, we just like said, yeah, we're going to do those things. And then God kind of said, yep, you're going to talk about these things. Look what I did there. Not I, I. Look what he did there. Let your love come from a place of intimate connection from God. I would say that in and outside of Advent season... Like, let Advent be a reminder. Absolutely. Absolutely. Let it be a reminder. But this, this shouldn't just be during Advent. This should carry on throughout the whole year. Advent should bring us back to loving God by both accepting his, accepting his love and obeying his commands. It should remind us of that. It should draw us back in and it should slow us down and say, oh yeah, nope, got to clean up on aisle three. Got to patch up that relationship with that person in my family because we got to do Christmas dinner together. Bring yourself back to loving people. Let it remind you that you should love people. This is an easy one. Not because, yeah, because it's kind of the thing to do, right? During this, there's the people with the ringing of the bells and the red buckets and like, it's kind of just the charity season. Like, yeah, that's what we do during Christmas. but not just because it's the thing to do, but because God loves you and you are so full of his love. You're so full of his love that you are just, it's bursting forth. I had a lot of words, uh, burst, leak, ooze. It's oozing out of you. It explodes out of you. It, It radiates. I think radiates is probably my favorite. The other ones I was like, that doesn't sound quite right. Like it works, like, it, it should ooze out of you, but that just, just doesn't feel quite right. But it should radiate. It should burst forth from you because you're so connected with God and you're, you're so full of the love of God and love from God that everyone else just gets to pick up the second hand from that. How fantastic would that be? So let's talk about some actions we can take to maybe move a little closer to this, this, this week or, or this season. Our first advantageous action, still my favorite part about this series. Let your love, uh, nope, nope, there we go. Like I already read that. Advantageous action number one, 
Go to the Father to feel fully loved. Go to the Father. Jesus did not depend upon the fickle temperament of people for his love tank, if you will. I don't think we're ever going to get away from using that term now. It's, it's all I can think of. It's, it's a love tank. Jesus' love tank was not filled by whether or not the people liked him. He went to the Father to feel fully loved. It didn't matter if he was popular or not. Luke 5 says, but, even now, uh, but now even more the report about him went abroad, and the great crowds gathered to hear him, and they healed of all their infirmities. But he would withdraw to a desolate place and pray. No, he would withdraw to desolate places and pray. Apparently he did this regularly, multiple times. He would go to those places and pray and do his LTG reading and spend some time with God. Mark 1 says, And the whole city was gathered together at the door, and he healed many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons, but he wouldn't permit them to speak because they knew him. And it says this, and, very, and rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place. And there he prayed and did his LTG readings. Every single time. Every time. That's what he did. Which for him was probably just reciting all of Isaiah or something like that. Because Jesus. <laughs> Go to the Father to feel fully loved. Spend time with him. And ask yourself, if, they, if that's difficult for you, and I understand, because there are times where that is difficult for me. This, this last, well, kind of the last two weeks, but this last week for sure, I did not want to do my LTG because that involved spending time with God and I was a little frustrated with the big guy. I didn't enjoy it. So I get that it's difficult sometimes. But if it's difficult for you, then I, I, I have a couple of questions that might, more questions, that you might find helpful. If, if you're struggling to pursue what you need to do to spend time with him regularly, uh, Ask yourself, do you need to set aside some time? Is it, is it the busyness of your schedule? Is there's just too much stuff, right? I've got too many things going on. This, this one gets me all the time. Like, yeah, no, I really, I need to do my LTG reading. I need to spend my time with God. I, I really want to do that. I want a Sabbath, but, you know, there's these things that I need to do. Gosh. Or I really just don't want to because it doesn't sound like a lot of fun and I, I want to have time for fun things like, I don't know, Lord of the Rings marathons. Happy 20th anniversary to the Lord of the Rings, the fellowship. But uh, you know, sometimes you just have to say, nope, nope, nope. I'm going to set aside time for God. That's what this is. Do you need to give something up? Is there something getting in the way of that? Now, that could be, well, I mean, anything that's getting in, the, in between you and God, I would call sin. But, you know, that could be something sinful in the normal terminology. Or it could be something like, you know, uh, I've just been really enjoying this latest Netflix series. And I need to probably take 
a step back from that. Or, I don't know, insert whatever there. That, that might be, like, you might need to give something up. If, if you're unable to pursue the time that you need to have to abide in God, that might be something. Do you need to find mentorship? Short answer, yes. That's a freebie. Uh, but that might be helpful. If you're like, I, you know, I don't know where to start. Find somebody that can help you. Do you need to find community? Short answer, yes. Care group, LTG, the, the, the connection with the waffle bar. Waffle bar, that sounds fantastic, by the way. My goodness. When's the men's, when's the men's version, Scott? When are you starting that? I want a waffle bar. No? All right. Oh, not IHOP. My goodness. Come back next week for my sermon on waffles. Uh, But do you need to find community? Because that might be the thing that's going to help you to pursue that time with God, to get connected with him fully. Because if there's that indicator, if if you're struggling anywhere to love people, it's probably an indicator light that that love tank's not full. And there, our second one here is go share the love that you receive from the Father. Because you can have it. Maybe you're full. But if you're not going to share it, then you're just Ebenezer Scrooge. I don't know why I didn't think of that before until just now. That's the perfect analogy. Like, don't be a Scrooge with your love. Now it's Christmassy. He says, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. It's straightforward. Share that love. That love comes from your place of relationship with God, understanding this relationship with him, abiding in that love of God. And from there, it then goes out to all people. Which brings us back to that question that we started with. What is our sign of Christmas? You've probably put the pieces together by now. But if you haven't, the sign that we're looking for, the sign that we were left with here of Christ's advent, the second one, that Christ is coming back, that Christ, his kingdom is here, that God is here and he's bringing this back together, that sign, it's love. And we're given a responsibility to maintain that. It's the love for God displayed to all the world. And it's the love for, for people that's then felt by all the world. And you know, good old Christina Rossini, Rossetti, I'm going to get her name right one of these times. Christana, you see it's close. It's CGR, good old CGR. She wraps it up with verse 3, which I turned into our chorus because I just like a chorus. She says, love shall be our token. Love be yours, your token, and love be mine, my token. Love to God and others. Love is going to be our plea. It's going to be our gift. It's our sign. Love is the thing that we're asking for. We're asking for love from God. And it's our gift. It's the gift that God gives us. 
And that's the sign that we have. We ask, where is our sign? And God says, it's your love. It's my love for you. It's your love for me. And it's how everybody gets to see and experience that. And so on this fourth Sunday of Advent, we're reminded of love. And we're reminded that we need to let our love come from a place of intimate connection with God. Thanks for listening to the Mission Ridge Church Podcast. Be sure to subscribe and share if you enjoyed this message. We are a church focused on relational discipleship and located in Missoula, Montana. For more information about Mission Ridge, visit our website, missionridge.church. Thanks for tuning in. Happy holidays and Merry Christmas.